Let's pray um, and dive in. Father, this is your word, and this is the time of our service to hear from you in, in, through the preaching of your word. I pray, that you would, I pray that you would come to me, that your spirit would come through me, and that the people would hear what you need them to hear this morning, what you want them to hear this morning. Father, I fear that they would hear the words of your, of your um, scriptures, that they would be changed and moved by them, that they would see you as the Savior who loves them, that they would see you as the Savior who stands in the way for them, that they would see you as their Savior who fights for them, and that they may leave here being filled with you, filled with your love, and encouraged by what you do. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I used the term trial for ordination, and let me tell you, it was, it was a very heavy trial for me. Um, it was about, about two years of, of work that were really focused in one, in terms of exam taking. I failed a couple of exams the first time I, tra I took them. I, I was really hard-pressed. At one point, I wrote to my session, to your session, and I was like, guys, I'm at the end of my rope here. And if, if I can't come through soon, I don't know that I can continue with this. My marriage is taking a hit. My ministry at the church is taking a hit. My personal life is taking a hit. I'm just getting hit from every side, and I don't know what to do. Um, thankfully, those men responded in love towards me. I hope you experience them responding in love towards you when you need them. And I'm, and I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful for them. Um, but it's been a weary season. It's been an exhausting season. It's been a season where I have felt stretched very thin. There's that um, phrase that Bilbo uses in uh, The Lord of the Rings, uh, where he says he feels like butter stretched over too much bread. And man, do I feel that. Even now, even with the trial over, moving on to this sermon, moving on to other things we have going on in children's ministries, there's so much that I am a weary guy. I'm exhausted. I'm beat down. How about you? How about you? How are you coming in here? We just got out of COVID, kind of. We all took a toll, on, a, a took a toll through COVID. We all experienced isolation. We all experienced frustration. We all experienced the exhaustion of that of what this pandemic has been. Some of you guys have finished up school um, studies. Some of you are in the midst of the studies right now. It's exhausting. It's brutal. Some of you guys um, have experienced jobs that just haven't panned out, right? And you're stuck in, in places where you're like, man, I just really want to be done with this. I'm not at the school I wanted to be at. I'm not in the position that I wanted to be at. Why am I feeling so stretched? Some of you guys are in pain, like physical pain. Your body's hurt. And there's nothing that can drive you to madness more than pain. Right? Like, we as a congregation, in lots of ways, have experienced what I would call the wilderness. The trials of the wilderness. And this morning, this morning, this, I want to give you some hope. We're going to look to our Savior, who also walked through the wilderness. And he knows what it's like. And he knows what it's like better than any of us. Whoa, is that the Jarvises? <laughs> Holy cow, guys, it is really good to see you too. <laughs> guys, I just have to tell you, Josh had... 
um, he used to sit on the inside aisle on the left. And when I remember him, he was taller in like, the torso than anyone who sat around him. Maybe it was just where he sat. And when I would preach, his face would stand out above everybody's, and he would just smile. And for a preacher who like, doesn't feel good about his ability, looking out at the congregation and seeing a face just smile at you means the world. So it's really good to see you. And keep smiling. <laughs> That's not a command. It's not a command. You can smile when you want. Um, but I really appreciate you, brother. Um, if you're feeling the pain and the weariness of this world, friends, we have good news. We have hope. We have a Savior. Let's read this passage. It's Luke 4, um, Luke 4, 1 to 15. As, as you, and as you turn there, I'm going to set your mind to some of the elements, all right? And this is the primary element I want you to set your mind towards. You're going to see the term Son of God. Luke has been emphasizing that Jesus is the Son of God from chapter 1. He says to Mary, or well, not the Lord specifically, but his angel says to Mary in chapter 135, Jesus is going to be the Son of the Most High. He says it again just a few verses later. Jesus is going to be the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. When Jesus goes to the temple as a 14-year-old boy, I think he was 14, as a young boy, he's sitting at the temple, and um, he, his parents come and find him. They're like, hey, we've been stressing out about you. Where have you been hiding? Why have you done this to us? And Jesus says, hey, I'm, I'm about the work of my Father. Jesus sees himself as the Son of God. There is no secret about whose son Jesus is. And then in Luke 3, right before this passage, right before what we're about to read, God's, Jesus comes up from the waters of baptism, and a voice from heaven comes, the Lord's booming voice, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son, and I'm proud of him, and I'm pleased with him. And as the Lord is saying this, the Spirit of God descends on the Son, on Jesus Christ, and it fills him. And the Spirit is the guarantee, it's the seal, it's the sign that what God says, he means. Here's my Spirit. You are my Son. Be filled with my Spirit. Now let's see. Oh, and, and, and then there's the genealogy, a long genealogy that ends with um, emphasizing God, Jesus being the Son of God in the line of, of humanity. Now, Luke 4, 1 to 15. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry, certainly an understatement. <laughs> the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus, Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. And when the devil had, and when the devil had finished all these temptings, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. This is the word of our Lord. Friends, we're going to be looking at three big things, right? We always look at three things. The first is the um, journey through the wilderness, and the emphasis that gives us on God's timing. The second is we're going to look at the temptations, and we're going to see ourselves in the temptation, not as those who conquer, but as those who sin, those who fail, those who fall short. And then we're going to look at our Savior. We're going to look at how he responds when we fall short. And it's really good. All right, so to the wilderness. Um, we've just talked about, or I've just talked to you about trial and hardship. And I want to tie that in with the desert and the wilderness. All right, when you, we think of the wilderness, um, I love REI. Maybe some of you guys like REI, like the outdoor life. That's kind of what we think. We're like, oh, man. Let's get in our back, put our backpacks on and go on a hike. This is going to be fun, right? In the Old Testament, in the biblical tradition, the um, wilderness is not a place of revival. It's not a place to experience um, life. This is the place where you go to be tested, to be tried, to be spread thin, and to find yourself, to be, to exp you get exposed for who you really are in the wilderness. Why? It's dangerous. Other um, Gospels emphasize that there are beasts in the wilderness. Beasts want to eat you. There's not a lot of food. There's no water. Right? Like this, is, this is a place of um, few resources. It's a place that will begin to put pain in your body. The, the sun will beat down, the sandstorms. The desert is an unfriendly place. It's an un unfriendly place. It's a place of isolation. It's a place of sadness and agony. We see throughout um, the Old Testament the, those who go to the desert. Oh, I'm going to just name a couple. This is by no means all of them. But Hagar and Ishmael. Hagar has a little baby boy named Ishmael. And they go out into the woods, out into the desert. And she has nothing to help her. She ends up putting her son underneath a tree and says, you know what? Don't let me watch the death of the child. And she goes and gets ready to die herself. They're out of water. They're toast. They're in the wilderness. They're stretched to the bare, to the bare um, sinews of what they have. It's game over for them. The Lord provides for them. Um, when we have Israel, the people of Israel, they have just escaped Egypt. Well, not escaped. The Lord has valiantly led them out of Egypt. Right? And he takes them to the, the sea, and at the sea, he parts the sea. They walk through the water. The enemies of God, the enemies of God people pursue them into the sea, and then the Lord has this massive victory, and immediately they go into the desert. The people of God, the people of Israel, are the ones that have seen God's salvation and his, his mighty works firsthand. And then they, in the desert, they run out of food. They run out, run out of bread. And they're like, man, wasn't Egypt good? Remember all that bread? And they grumble. And they, and they turn from the Lord. They turn from following his ways. They turn from him in the wilderness where they're exposed and they're near the end of themselves. It's not, a, it's not a place where we often see um, God's victory. 
in the lives of the people. It's a place where we see there, and Elijah is the last one we're going to talk about. Elijah just has this incredible experience. He's facing the bad guys and the bad guys' gods. And he says, all right, bad guy gods, here's, a, here's, a, here's an altar, here's a dead animal on the altar, call down some fire. And it doesn't come. And then Elijah prays, and the fire from heaven from Yahweh comes and consumes the, the offering, and Elijah is thrilled. God has just triumphed over the bad guy's god, Baal. And he runs to the city, and when he gets to the city, Jezebel, the queen of the bad guys, essentially, says, you're toast. I'm going to kill you. And Elijah, in utter despair, runs for his life into the wilderness, and he crawls up under a tree, and he says to the Lord, God, just kill me. I'm done with this life. Just kill me. It's a suicide run into the desert. That's what the wilderness represents in the Old Testament, friends. A place of danger, a place of hardship, a place of exposure, a place of isolation, a place that will test us to our limits. Now, Jesus has just been declared the Son of God. He just had the power of the Spirit poured in on him. He's been filled, he's, been, he's, been, he's ready to go. And in our minds, we're like, yeah, let's go preach the gospel. Let's get the news out. But God has different, a different timing for Jesus. God says, no, we're going to the wilderness. We're going to the wilderness. Man, guys, it's hard. It's hard when you're ready to trust in God's timing. It's hard when you think you're ready to head to the wilderness and wait in isolation for 40 days. It's hard to wait for 10 years in, 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 in agony it's hard to wait for your job. It's hard to wait for the person you love. You know the feeling. You're like, You're, we're ready to go. And now here we are in the desert. And where we are most stretched, the bad news is that that's where our enemy likes to come and get us. The enemy has had a lot of success testing the people of God in the wilderness. He's even had success testing Adam in the garden where everything was good, and he tested Adam there, and Adam fell. Right? Then we get to the people of Israel. The enemy tests um, the people of Israel in the wilderness, and they fall. They turn from the Lord. The enemy loves to come at you when you are stretched thin, when you are feeling pain, when you're, when you're dealing with your first kid, right? And you're exhausted, and your husband leaves his dirty underwear on the floor again, and you're just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Do I have to care, care for you too? That's, that's my story. <laughs> I'm, I'm the bad guy in that one. <laughs> well, kind of. Um, like, the Lord, the, the enemy likes to come when we are weak, when we're hurting. He likes to pull our friends out when we're hurting. Make them all heavy at the same time so no one can actually be there for you. Oh, he loves it. And he loves to put you in that millstone and just grind, and just grind you. you have you guys experienced that? Have you felt that? Have you felt him come for you? Have you felt him just crush you? I have. I've seen it in my life. But our Lord is there. And our Lord is trusting in the timing of his Lord. Friends, we can trust in the timing of our Lord. When he takes you to the wilderness and when the enemy comes to meet you, your Lord is not hiding. He sees. He cares. He loves you. And he's already proven that. In Christ. All right? When you go to the wilderness, 
Know that there's one who's already been there and can lead you out regardless of how you fare in the wilderness. If you fall, if you stand, there's a Savior who's got you because he was in the wilderness once for 40 days and he was very hungry. Notice the text says so. Um, Sorry, let me flip back. Uh, uh, For 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And this is where we begin to see the temptations. Now, the devil has been tempting Jesus for 40 days straight. The devil devil has been Jesus' companion in the desert. We're getting the last three, and the last three are important. But don't think that that this is it. Jesus has been suffering with his companion, the devil, this entire time. And now, at the end of the fast, at the end of the time that Jesus is here, the devil says to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. What's, what's going on? So we're going to look at a couple of things with the, the, what the devil does, right? First, he's going to challenge Jesus' position. He's going to challenge who Jesus is. Are you really the Son of God? Are you really the Son of God? Does he really love you? Does he really care about you? If he did really care for you, would he do this to you? If he did really care for you, would he give you these desires that you can't fill, fulfill? If, 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 would, would he give you this road? You're in the desert for 40 days, dude. Uh, just, just turn that bread into stone and you need it. He uses Jesus' power or Jesus' ability against him, and he wants Jesus to turn from his Father and to take and eat. And the Lord hasn't yet provided food for Jesus. All right? Do you feel that at times? Is that an experience you know? When you're waiting for something and the Lord hasn't provided it yet, and then you see it's available, and you're like, oh, I can snag it. Ooh, I can get it. I want to. Do you know that? Do you know that feeling? Do you know what it feels like to turn away from him? To turn from Christ in the wilderness when the the enemy offers you what you want, what you need. I've got it, man. You can't stand being lonely. I've got the relationship for you. It's right here. It's so good. You can't stand being in this position. That's okay. Tell him off got you. Satan says, if you're the son of God, dude, indulge. You've got it. Right? It's the, the temptation of the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Lust is not just sexual. It can be all kinds of things. The wanting, the craving, the needing that which Jesus, or which the Lord knows you need and will provide for you. But you can get it on your own. The next temptation that the devil brings is one of glory. Now, notice in this one, he doesn't call Jesus the Son of God. And the, emphasis, the reason why he doesn't, I'm going to give you why I think the reason he doesn't, is because he, he, he doesn't want Jesus to think about his status as son right now. He's going to take Jesus up, the, up to this high place, and he's going to show him all of the splendors and glories of the world. Look at it all. It's great, isn't it? And um, he emphasized, I'm going to show it to you. He shows it. 
Jesus sees it. He sees it all, the splendor, the glory, the, the, the brilliance. And, and Satan says, you can have it all. It's all yours, dude. It's all yours. Just worship me. The funky thing about this is Jesus knows that he's going to have all authority and all the glory of the world. He, all, all things will be subject to his feet. He is going to be the ruler of all things. That promise has already been made in Psalm 2. This is my beloved son. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your, as your inheritance. What is Satan saying, though? He's saying, yeah, you could get it God's way, which includes a cross, which includes 40 days of fasting, which includes being the man of sorrows, which includes all of the pain that you're about to go experience, or... You could just kiss my finger. So much easier. And all of this is yours. Or you could just worship me. Love me. I'm the good guy. I'm going to give it all to you. The lust and the desires of the riches of the world. The glory. And the Satan's temptation. God doesn't want the best for you. I can give the best to you. Finally, um, we go to the temple. Now, the other two accounts, uh, the two gospel accounts, don't emphasize Jesus going to the temple at this point. It's the second of the third of the three. But in Luke, Jesus' full momentum is we're going to the temple. We're going to Jerusalem, especially starting at chapter 9. And so in the book of Luke, that's also our emphasis. That's our flow. We go into the temple. Here we go. We're, on, we're, we're going to the, like the promised land kind of emphasis. It's, we're going to the temple. And so here, Satan takes Jesus right to the temple, and he puts him up on the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point of the temple, and he says, hey, if you're really the son of God, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself down because God promises to catch you. He promises to catch you. Prove to me now that you're the son of God by throwing yourself off the temple and allowing God to catch you. You can do it, and it'll be done, and I'll leave you alone. Doubt what God has said to you. You have to prove it. You have to prove that you're his son. You can't trust in him. Put God in a bind. Jump. See what he does. Test him. Manipulate him. Use him for your own gain. Jesus knows he's the son. He also knows that the father has a plan for him. He also knows where he's going to lead him. And guess what? The father's not going to save him from the final day. The father's going to bring him back, but he's not going to save him from the cross. The Lord does not choose to manipulate our Lord. Guys, do these three, have you experienced these three in your life? Have you been in the desert, in the wilderness, in the time of like just your accurate wit's end and the enemies come to you and offered what you wanted in bread? Offered the glory without the pain? Offered or tempted you to manipulate God? Lord, if you would just give me this, I will serve you. He loves you, doesn't he? Of course he'll give it. Has he, have you experienced that? I have. And can, let me tell you, let me tell you, th 
your pastor, this pastor, you have other pastors, but this pastor is not one that wins. I fail in the wilderness all of the time. And you know what's the easiest thing the devil can get with for me? Hey, how about you just check out your phone? Just, just relax, dude. You've been working hard. There are people, like, there's a lot asked of you. Just pick up your phone and forget about your Lord for the next hour. Just go get sucked into something. Just go taste something good. Just get away from it all. Keep, and, and, and stay there. Stay there. Go on that bike ride and don't come back. The Lord has good things for us. He wants good things for us. He's going to give us good things in his timing for us. In his timing. And that's exactly what Jesus shows us. That's exactly what Jesus shows us. We're not the right man on our side. It's the man of God's own choosing. And the man of God's own choosing is his son. And what does Jesus do in this situation? When, when the enemy offers him bread and says, Hey, take it yourself. Make some bread. Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone. It is written, man doesn't live by bread alone. He quotes the scriptures back to the, to the devil, to the slanderer, to the one who's seeking to twist him up. He quotes it right back and says, no, brother, that's not, well, he doesn't call him brother. He says, no, that's not what God has for me today. God has for me to wait on him. And I'm not going to use my power to serve my own needs. I use my power to serve my Lord. And then he goes to the high point, and he says, no, Satan, or devil, Diablos. Man is to worship God alone. You serve the Lord, not you. I will not usurp my end through you. I'm not going to get what God promises through you. I'm not going to do it my own way. I'm trusting my Lord, and he alone deserves my worship. And finally, and finally, when the sa Satan says, test him, Jesus says, I don't need to test my father. I know his love for me. I'm settled in his love for me. I'm not concerned. It's done. He said it. He said it. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I don't need to test him. I don't need to manipulate him at all. I'm not afraid of the fall. And I don't need to do it. Friends, when you are in the wilderness and you're seeing yourself as the failure and you're seeing yourself fall at every time, I want you to look to Christ. Not as the example, purely, who shows you how to do it, but as the one who stood there with you and experienced it for you so that you would never feel the displeasure of the Lord. He loves you. He's got you. He's there in the desert before you. The reason the Lord drove him into the desert was so that this would be the place where he faces the devil head on and receives victory over him for you. We're wrapping up. But when Jesus says, when the tempter says, make that bread, Jesus' response reflects, I am going to make bread, but it's in my own body. And it's going to be given to my people. The bread is going to be me. And it's going to be for my people. It's not for me to eat right now. When, when the enemy takes him to the high point and shows him the glory of the world, Jesus says, the Lord's call on my life is that I be the servant, not the grabber of power. 
I'm going to serve. I'm going to take the bowl and the towel and wash my, my disciples' feet. It's the Gentiles that lord it over one another. But Jesus serves you, and he says, I'm going to serve my Father, and I'm going to serve my people. That's you. He doesn't say that specifically. And finally, when, when the devil says, test God, manipulate God, Jesus says, no, I'm going to the cross where the Lord will not spare me, where the Lord will not withhold the pain from me. And I'm going to look into the cup and I'm going to say, Father, if it is your will, take the, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but yours be done. Right here in the wilderness, Jesus is seeing the trail. And he's seeing he can choose the enemy or he can choose to serve his father and love his people. And every time he's going to choose to love you and serve his father. And you can trust him. You can take it to the bank. Friends, when you're in the wilderness, look to your Savior because he's been there and he's done it for you. He's paid the price for you so that you will never suffer alone. You may suffer in God's time, but the one who's brought you into the wilderness can lead you out and already has. Let's trust in him. Let's pray.